If you have a Bible, oh, there it is. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to grab it, turn with us to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6. Y'all notice the weather's changing? Yeah, some are excited about that. A few years ago, this time of year, spring was hitting, and we were starting to take the more frequent neighborhood walk. I like to walk, my family will join me some, down by a neighborhood lake. And down by the neighborhood lake, there are ducks, and there was, past tense, there was a goose that would hang out at our neighborhood lake. Now, the goose was a nice goose most of the time. The goose had made friends with one of our neighborhood dogs and would just like stay up by the 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 fence where the dog was and for some reason they just liked to talk to each other and I'm not sure how that works but they did but on occasion the goose decided he did not want us walking around the lake how many of you have been charged by a goose before well lots of hands okay so you'll you'll know this experience this goose uh, that the neighborhood had named gray This goose, on occasion, would decide he was going to come after you. Now, I'm a man. (laughs) And so I would do what any man would do when a goose was coming after him. I would put as many women and children between me and the goose (laughs) as I possibly could, right? There's something about the, like, I remember at one point walking around the lake by myself, there was no women and children, and the goose was deciding to be in this attitude, where I literally was like hiding behind the trees as I was walking by where the goose was because it had come after me the time previous. Now, there is a concrete statue of a goose by our lake with flowers, not because of me. (laughs) But that goose would redirect my walks when it was in this attitude. Like it would change, like I, this, it's springtime. I should be able to walk around our little neighborhood. It's actually sewage drainage, but it's a pond. (laughs) And this goose, now, let's think about this for a second. This is a duck. Do y'all see any tusks? Any uh, fangs? Talons? Has anyone read an article about a, a, a goose like chewing off an arm? No. That there's really nothing that that goose could do to really hurt me. I'm a man. But yet... It would affect, like, my whole walk. Why why am I talking about this? I don't know either. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that wasn't, yeah, uh, that wasn't you, that's, that's good. 
There's somebody else. Paul, Paul in the book of Romans, has shown the church. He's talking to Christians. If you're here today, you're not a Christian. I want you to hear what what Paul is teaching Christians at this point. He's said, all of us have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We've, We've blown it. We've messed up. But God sent his son Jesus to take the penalty we deserve for our sin. He's died in our place. So he can now, because of Jesus, Jesus dying in our place, taking the penalty we deserve, he can declare not guilty people who are really guilty when we are before the judge. Because Jesus has taken the punishment we deserve. He's talked a lot about justification. End of chapter 5, beginning of chapter 6, he even says where sin increases, grace increases all the more. So more sin, more grace. So beginning of chapter 6, he says, well, if that's the case, if if grace increases when sin, let's let's just sin. Should, Should we just continue in sin so that grace will increase? And he says, by no means. He says, you need to know three things. This is last week's sermon, if you want to go look at it. You need to know three things about what Jesus has done related to not just sin's penalty for us, but sin's power over us, he says. And he goes on to say that we are with Jesus. Jesus has freed us from the power of sin, and that relationship with sin is permanent. So he says, and then verse 11, first imperative in the whole book of Romans, we're just walking through the book, First, book, first thing he tells us to do is he says, count yourself dead to sin. Literally to believe, to consider that not just sin's penalty is gone, but sin's power is gone. He says, it's, it's gone. So you need to believe that. I mean, we, we, when we were walking through this passage last week, we said, I'm with Jesus. This is what we needed to know. Sin has no control. It's, it's on some level, it's like a goose around the neighborhood pond. It's still going to really annoy us in life. There's times when it's going to threaten us and it's going to seem like it can really control us. But we, through Jesus, we're not just men. <laughs> we're, we're indwelled by the Spirit of God. We can now act different in response to sin. Does that mean we're going to be perfect? No, no. Chapter 7, where we'll be starting next week, he'll talk about this wrestle even in Paul's life, in my life, in your life with sin. So, Paul, if sin has freed us, uh, I mean, if sin has freed us, Jesus has freed us, we're with Jesus, sin has no control, what, what do we do? Well, then he starts saying, he says, don't offer the parts of your body to sin anymore. Don't present yourself to sin. Then he says, because we're no longer under the law, earning God's favor through doing the right thing. We're no longer under the law. We are now under grace. It's it's what Jesus did that gives us right standing before God. So if we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace, what does that mean? All right, stand with me. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? 
By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone, even a duck around the lake, as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would help us as sinful people to see and live in the freedom that you've offered us. And this passage is gonna show that this freedom actually gives us the opportunity to offer ourselves in slavery to a better master. God, I pray that we would leave here today understanding how dangerous the duck that's chasing us around the lake is and that we would, in the power you've given through Christ, that we would offer ourselves to you. God, I pray that you'd help my words be clear. God, help, 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 help me, God, to teach your truth. Holy Spirit, help. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, in your life, my life, we've still got the sin duck chasing us around. What do we do? It seems, verse 15, what then, are we to sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Same words we saw in chapter six, verse two. Extremely strong language. Some commentary writers have said it's almost like Paul is cussing here. A gospel that suggests that we can obey Jesus on our own strength is a false gospel. A gospel that suggests we do not need to obey Jesus is also a false gospel. Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Are we to continue in sin even though the 
talons and the fangs have been taken out of the goose. By no means. Do you not, what's the word? No, y'all, I keep pointing back to last week. Y'all do need to see what he says at the beginning of chapter 6 to get what he's going to say at the end of chapter 6. He's only going to tell us one thing we need to know this week. And it's a principle. It's this incredibly powerful principle that that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you're going to be a slave to the one whom you obey. What does he mean? Even Even if that person doesn't have power over you, if you let it have power over you, you're going to be a slave to it. Here's the words of Rebecca Pippert, Christian author, speaker. Whatever controls us is our Lord. The person who seeks power is controlled by power. The person who seeks acceptance is controlled by acceptance. Anyone feel that way? Maybe it's not power for you, it's not acceptance for you, Uh, maybe it's pleasure for you, and you're controlled by it. We do not control ourselves, we are controlled by the Lord of ourselves, and what is the Lord of yourself? It's the one that you're offering yourself to, is what Paul is is arguing. And what Paul is going now to present to us in this chapter is two different masters that are going to lead two different directions. One is sin... And one is obedience. The Christian now that's been set free from sin actually has the opportunity to offer themselves again back to sin. You've done it, so have I. What will happen if you lead to sin? Well, here's what he's going to want you to see in this chapter. He's going to compare these two things and he's going to help us look objectively to what's going on around the pond of our life. Sin's going to lead us to be who we don't want to be and to go where we don't want to go. That's where sin's going to lead. Obedience, on the other hand, leads us to be who we want to be and to go where we want to go. Problem is, in the heat of the moment, the world's not going to tell you this. The temptation's not going to tell you this. The, the, The goose is not going to tell you he's really not threatening. And Paul, Paul is going to help us see where sin leads and where obedience leads. And he is going to ask us, not just ask us, command us to do something about it. Back to verse 16. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one whom you obey? Either, two different options here, two different masters, either of sin, which leads, here's where it's leading, to death. No one wants to go there, right? That death in the Bible is not just a physical death, it's separation from the author of life forever. Leads to death or obedience, second master, which leads to righteousness, Becoming who you really want to be. Doing the right thing, treating others right. Verse 17, thanks be to God. This is going to be now he's talking gospel indicatives before the imperatives. He's going to remind you that this is the work of God in and through our lives. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart 
When you're saved, the Holy Spirit moves into your life and there's something different. There's something different from the inside out. Not, not that you're gonna be a perfect person, no. I, I talk to people often and say, I'm not a Christian because Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, they are. But God is working in and hearts and lives to will and to work. This is Philippians chapter two. God is at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's, gonna, he's starting to work from the inside out, prompting us to become obedient to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, chapter six, first half, have become slaves of righteousness. This is the work of God in our lives. Verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. What are the human terms? Slavery. I don't know if you've noticed, he's talking a whole lot about slavery already. Slavery in eight verses that we're going to teach today is brought up eight different times. He's talking about these two different masters that we can have in our lives. Do you know that slavery at the time of Jesus was different than slavery in the history of our country? Slavery at the time of Jesus, even the New Testament teaches twice directly, was wrong. But it was more like indentured servanthood. Most slaves were earning money. Most of them could earn enough money to eventually buy their freedom. Look at the parable of the talents is one of the parables that Jesus talks about related to this. Doulos, they're, 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 they're bond servants, slaves to someone else. He's speaking in these terms because he wants us to learn something. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. Wait a second. Look what happens if you present, keyword in our text, look what happens if you offer yourself to something you're actually now free from, sin. It's going to be leading in your life to impurity. No one wants to be impure. To lawlessness and even more lawlessness. Have you noticed this, Christian, have you noticed this, that if you keep giving yourself to sin, that that sin takes more and more and more of your life the more you give yourself to it. C.S. Lewis, when he writes on this passage, he says, hey, what scares me as I look at Paul compare these two masters, he said, if I keep giving myself to sin and sin keeps increasing, you know what's gonna happen? The Bible says that we live forever can you imagine sin increasing forever for those that are apart from Christ? He says, that's actually like the definition of hell to me, he says, to think of my sin increasing forever. Just as that happened, leading you to be who you didn't want to be, and to go where you didn't want to go, so now, he says, present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. This is really who we all want to be. The word there, sanctification, will show up twice. Literally is the word holiness. Us truly becoming who God wants us to be, but even for non-Christians that have conversations with the many of you that are here today that are skeptical looking in on what we teach, most, most, if not all that I talk to want to be a loving, genuine, good person who from the inside out is doing the right thing when it comes to other people. 
that's who you want to be. Jesus says to Christians, we have an option now. We'll come back to that. For when you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Basically saying you license to sin, and you did before you came to know Jesus. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Anybody do things you're ashamed of last week? What happened? You let the duck of sin take control and chase you a direction you didn't have to go. And now you're ashamed. That's, it's leading you not where you want to go, not where you want to be, who you want to be. For the end of those things is death, again, ultimate destination. But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves of God, the fruit, this is again the outcome where you get to go leads to, there's a word again, sanctification, becoming who we really want to be, and it's end eternal life where we really want to go. And then this famous verse in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I need to say again, a gospel that suggests that we can obey Jesus on our own strength is a false gospel. What happened with our actions, all of us, our actions led to death, separation from God because we all have chosen to live life our way, not God's way. That's what's happened in your life and in mine. But God has given us a free gift. It's eternal life that happens to the righteousness of God's son, Jesus Christ, that he freely gives to us. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Again, sin leads to death. Obedience, Jesus' obedience ultimately, and then as he changes us from the inside out, becomes our obedience, the end, eternal life. So again, what is Paul saying? He's comparing these two masters. There's a master that's gonna lead to a life where you and I are not who we want to be, and we're ending up not where we want to go, and that's sin. Obedience leads us to be who we want to be and to go where we want to go. If you're here today, if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Jesus, if the Holy Spirit is not in your life, in your heart, you can choose to do good things. But this battle against sin, ultimately the duck still has fangs in them, the mouth. This illustration is not as strong as I want it to be. I just, I just pictured this duck with fangs and it didn't sound very scary to me, but. However, when the goose is charging, right? If you're a Christian, if you, are, if you place your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in your life. God has positionally changed sin, right? This is what again, we learned last night. I'm with Jesus, sin has no control. I'm with Jesus, sin has no control. What is Paul now trying to push the Christian to do? Not just count themselves dead to sin last week, consider, not just believe that not only is sin's power, penalty gone, but now also sin's power is gone. He doesn't want you to count, to consider. The second command now is to present, it's to offer, or your translation might say, to give yourself to a different master. 
I'm giving Jesus complete control. Last week, consider yourself because of Jesus, count yourself dead to sin. I'm with Jesus, sin has no control. This week, present yourself to to obedience, to righteousness. I'm giving Jesus complete control. Y'all see the difference? Again, what does this mean? That we're going to be saved based on how obedient we are. No! Paul's talking to people who have already been saved. But in your life, you can offer yourself, you can let the goose chase you out of the direction that you want to go, ending up becoming who you don't want to become, or you can give Jesus complete control of your life. All to Jesus, I surrender All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my precious Savior, right? I surrender all. Has this ever happened in your life? I want you to see it in the words of Paul. Verse 16, we'll go back. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? You can give different things control of your life, either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. So what was the problem? The problem was in the presentation. If you present yourself, you... you, Verse 19, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now, this is the only command in the eight verses we just read, present. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification just like you've presented yourself in the past to sins sins of seeking approval sins of trying to gain power sins of in your own life pursuing pleasure just like you've presented yourself to those things and you've let the goose chase you around the lake of life so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to justification Last week when we saw the first slavery illustration brought up earlier in chapter 6, I told you all the story of Abraham Lincoln right after the Civil War taking a surprise visit to the Confederate capital of Richmond. If you all are with me, you might remember this illustration. Shows up unannounced and he started walking the streets of Richmond. As he started walking the streets of Richmond, Some of the slaves who had been freed, again, from the terrible sin of slavery, came into the streets to thank Abraham Lincoln. And an eyewitness wrote down, this is what Abraham Lincoln said, my poor friends, you are free, free as air. You can cast off the name of slave and trample upon it. Liberty is your birthright. We talked last week that what Paul was saying to the Christian 
is guess what? If you've placed your faith in Jesus, my, my friends, you're free. You're free as the air. You can cast off the name of slave to sin and trample upon it. Liberty is your rebirth right. You're free from sin's authority, control. That's what he says. This eyewitness from Abraham Lincoln's walk recorded more words. Here's how Lincoln continued as he walked through the streets of Richmond. Let the world see that you merit your freedom, Lincoln said. Do not let your joy carry you into excess. Learn the laws and obey them. What is Paul saying to the Christian? Paul is saying to the Christian, let the world see that you merit your freedom, not freedom that we've earned, not freedom that we have on our own strength, it's through Jesus. But don't let your joy carry you into excess. Learn the laws and obey them. If you do, you're gonna become more of who you want to become and you're gonna end where you want to end. Some of you are here today and you're thinking, okay, what does it mean? What does it mean to present myself to God? What does it mean for me to really mean these words if I say them? I'm giving Jesus complete control. Well, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that sin's still not gonna scare you on occasion. Doesn't mean you're not gonna find yourself going, whoa, where did you come from, right? One, it means you know that the, the sin's not gonna chew your arm off. You stop letting it control your walk, your, your daily life. You say, no, no, I'm not gonna go the direction you're trying to make me go because of the power that the Holy Spirit has given me. I'm gonna live in obedience and go the direction that God has called me. What does it look like for this to happen in your life? Who knows the name Bill Bright? Yes, some hands here in the room. Bill Bright started the ministry Campus Crusade for Christ. Through Campus Crusade for Christ, some five billion people have seen the Jesus video in the world. That's what we believe. That's crazy. That's, stat, that's somewhat old now. There's actually a, a lady in our church now that helps lead the Jesus video around the world. Through Campus Crusade for Christ, they're not just making converts, they're making disciples. They're built on a reproducing discipleship model, helping people live and love like Jesus. But there are some now, they think, 200 million believers in the world. Is this because Bill Bright's really good? No. What happened? Well, when Bill Bright was asked what happened in his life, his words were, when I was a young man, I made a contract with God. I literally wrote it out and I signed it and it said, from this day forward, I am a slave to God. And he signed it. Wait, who would do that? 
slave doesn't sound good until you think about who your slave master is. The one who is fully righteous. Everything about him is right. Everything that he does is right. He is the definition of love. Bill Bright said, I'm a slave to God. And as he, in response to God, lived his life in obedience, God has literally transformed eternity through him. Has that ever happened for you? Not just, I believe I'm with Jesus and has no control. But also, you presenting yourself to God as your slave master. I'm giving Jesus complete control. Has that ever happened for you? I want to invite you to say these words with me right now. Okay? Here we go. I'm giving Jesus complete control. Say it again with me out loud. I'm giving Jesus complete control. Can you imagine what a body of believers would be like if this was true for them? Can you imagine what your home would be like next week if you really let this happen? What, what, what would happen in our church, in our city, in the world if, if, if Bill Bright, one person, God can use in that level? Lord, help us. Say it with me again. I'm giving Jesus complete control. I'm going to invite you right now to bow your head. This is not something, again, that we do on our own strength. You can go back to, again, what Paul has said through the whole book and even in this chapter. That this is the work of God in our lives. But if you really right now are ready to say, God, I, I, I really, as a Christian, because of the freedom you've given in Christ, I want to offer myself back to you. I want to present myself. I want to give you complete control of my life. I want to invite you right now to give that prayer your words. 